Welcome to Sully Sets, musings on sales and life. I'm your host, Rick Sully, and I've spent the past 25 years in the greatest profession in the world, sales. And the number one goal on my podcast is to teach you everything I've learned. I give you the tips, tools, and techniques necessary to excel in sales, network marketing, and most importantly, in life. So listen, learn, and enjoy the journey. Hey everybody, Rick Sully. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Sully Says Podcast. I am particularly excited about this episode because I have the opportunity to talk about one of the greatest Americans in history, and that is Benjamin Franklin. And the reason I chose Benjamin Franklin is actually the intersection of a few different events. Firstly, I uh, spend the early part of every year sort of doing a cleansing, not a physical cleansing, but a uh, clutter cleanse, if you will. And I should probably trademark that. That's a really cool term. But what I did is I just go through my office and I get rid of old papers, tax documents, uh, so on and so forth. I go through all my folders and it's actually a nice trip down memory lane. As I engaged in this year's clutter cleanse, I came across some of my old Franklin planners. And for those of you who are my age, you are most certainly familiar with Franklin Planner and ultimately became the Franklin Covey Planner. But for the younger uh, listeners, basically the Franklin Planner was this amazing tool that not only allowed you to plan your day, your week, your month, your year, but it allowed you to, I guess, do a soul searching every year and list your goals, your values, and even your virtues in some cases. And it was interesting for me to go back and look at some of them to kind of see where I evolved throughout my life. Now, as with anything in, uh, in our society, when the uh, advent of modern technology, uh, the Franklin Planner has gone by the wayside to some extent. But the principles that are found within the Franklin Planner are still very much alive. So the second part of my clutter cleanse, I came across a great book that I haven't read in probably 10 years, and it's called An American Life, Benjamin Franklin, by Walter Isaacson. And it is such an amazing study of the life of Benjamin Franklin. So I thought to myself, okay, one of these I can look at independently and say, oh, that's interesting, but to have both events intersect, I said, you know what, I'm going to use this opportunity to talk about Ben Franklin, not just his contributions to our country, but also the 13 virtues that he had put forth those many years ago and how I believe they still apply today. So let me begin by asking this question, and this was raised at the website The Art of Manliness. And they asked the question, what do you think about when you hear the word virtue? Now, for me in particular, I think of a young, prim and proper woman from another era who always makes the right decision, crosses her legs, dabs her lip after drinking a spot of tea. You get the drift. But, you know, there was a time, some 250 years ago, around Franklin's era, where the word virtue was inextricably connected to what it meant to be a true man. Now, the word virtue comes from the Latin virtus, which in turn is derived from ver, which is the Latin word for manliness. 
So my hope during this presentation, and this applies to men and women alike, but my hope is as men, we must do a better job and strive to improve each day and live a virtuous life. We need to restore the correlation between manliness and virtue. So let me get started on this today. I'm going to cover each virtue, and in the process, I'm also going to give you a little interesting fact about Benjamin Franklin, because I think there's a lot of stuff that you probably didn't even know that he contributed to our society. But I think it's important to know that Franklin himself openly admitted that he was never able to live the virtues that he subscribed to, at least not perfectly. But he felt that he had become a better and happier man because he made the attempt. And what Franklin did is he had a book where he kept his virtues, and he reviewed this every single day. And he would do an assessment of where he was the day before and how he did in relation to each virtue. So I'm going to begin with virtue number one, and I'm going to tell you exactly how Franklin had it written in his book. The first is temperance. Eat not to dullness. Drink not to elevation. Now, he began his list of virtues with temperance because it is the virtue that would develop the self-discipline necessary to adhere to the other 12 virtues. Now, temperance calls for a man to avoid overindulgence in food or drink. So if you can conquer this primal urge that exists within all of us for food and drink, you'll have the confidence to start making improvements in other areas of your life. So my challenge for each of you is to practice temperance when it comes to food and drink and practice it every single day. You can still enjoy great food. You don't need to enjoy it to excess. And as far as drink, we all know the difference between having a drink or two socially and drinking to excess. When we lose our control, we lose our inhibitions and we make bad decisions. And I assure you that if you practice temperance, it will absolutely positively make a pronounced impact on your life. Now, here's interesting fact number one about Ben Franklin. He was the first person in America to manufacture type. Okay, when I say it like that, it doesn't sound that exciting, but bear with me. He created a sans serif font known as Franklin Gothic. It was named after him in 1902, and it is usually used in newspaper headlines. All right, Ben Franklin's virtue number two, silence. Franklin quipped, speak not, but what may benefit others or yourself. Avoid trifling conversation. Now let's face it, we live in an age of constant, even excessive, noise and chatter. Etiquette and polite manners have sadly not kept pace with developments in technology and a rapidly changing culture. With the virtue of silence, we need to take a look at how a person can practice this virtue in regards to cell phone use, customer service, and even the use of the internet. A man must learn when and when not to open their mouth. And there's an old quote by uh, Abraham Lincoln, as I'm talking about great Americans, where he said, I'd rather be thought of as a fool 
then open my mouth and remove all doubt. And I believe that applies directly to the virtue of silence. Did you know the most influential book in Franklin's life was Bonifacius, Essays to Do Good by Cotton Mather? Interestingly, his first pen name in the New England Current was Silence Do Good, a name conceived from this book, and Silentarius, the Silent Sufferer. He published his first letter in the New England Current under the pen name of Silence Do Good, a fictional widow of a country minister who has strong opinions. Virtue number three, order. Let all your things have their places. Let each part of your business have its time. If a man wishes to thrive in this world, he must have a sense of order. But the reality is the universe and everything in it tends towards chaos and disorganization. So you have to fight against these natural laws and instincts and try to create the path of least resistance. Yet taking on a complex organizational systems is only going to cause more imbalance in your life. So what you need to do is you need to make small changes by rectifying each slip into disorganization the moment it happens. And think about it. It's all around us. As you're listening to this in your car or you're thinking about your home, or you're thinking about your business. Number one, do you have balance? Number two, do you have the order that Franklin talked about? Because this disorder or chaos is the cause of so much stress and anxiety in people's lives. If you fix this, the domino effect will be significant. In 1731, Franklin founded the first commercial franchise system in the Americas by creating co-partnerships. And he even had two female franchisees, which was unheard of at this time. And it was Franklin's idea to use a matching grant combining public money with private donations to build the Pennsylvania Hospital. It was the first time this concept was ever used. Franklin's fourth virtue, resolution. Resolve to perform what you ought. Perform without fail what you resolve. Isn't it amazing as you listen to these words, just how prophetic and how applicable they are 250 years after they were written? I find that to be the most remarkable part of this because I know we, uh, you know, early in the year, all of us in one way, shape, or form put together resolutions. And that has to be the firm determination to accomplish what you set out to do. And it has to be consistent. It cannot be, I'm going to do it for a couple weeks and then forget about it. Resolve indicates that you're going to stick with it over time and it will lead to pronounced differences in your life. So I really challenge you to look at your resolutions where they stand early in the year and make adjustments. If, if you're not achieving them and if you're not within sight and you're losing steam, you think, you know what, I'm going to give up, then adjust your resolution. Make it better. Make it different. Make it attainable. Because once you attain it, you're going to get that fire and that hunger inside of you to set more resolutions. And you're going to start to build resolve. Now, how about this fact? Franklin is the only founding father to have signed all three documents that freed America from Britain. The Declaration of Independence, the Treaty of Paris, and the United States Constitution. 
He was the oldest delegate to sign the Constitution at 81 years old. Franklin's next virtue, frugality. Make no expense, but do good to others or yourself, i.e., waste nothing. Now listen, it's no secret that as Americans, we don't save. We have a ton of debt. We use credit cards exactly the way the credit card companies want us to. And we are spending considerably more than we are saving. We live in an environment, it's the, you know, right now, right here, right now mentality. We don't want to wait. We don't want to save. We don't want to build. The economy is reaching soaring proportions right now. Uh, But as that goes, so does our tendency to want to spend more and live a lavish lifestyle. This is where you must practice frugality. Do you need the cable package that has 350 channels when you only watch 10? Can you wait six months before you watch the show uh, on Showtime or HBO that everyone's talking about? Uh, Do you need the car that's going to set you back $650 a month when you can have another one that only set you back $400 a month? Now, these are just examples, but you get my drift. We need to take a look at all of our expenditures and all of our waste and figure out ways to do better. All right, so I challenge you again. You're getting challenged a lot during this podcast, but I challenge you again to really take stock of where you are in your life financially and figure out what you can do better. I don't care if that means doing your own research online, meeting with a financial planner, talking to someone in your life who's successful and figuring out what they did. But whatever you do, do it quickly. It's never too late to embrace frugality in savings and planning for your future. Did you realize that Forbes magazine ranked Benjamin Franklin the 89th richest man in American history? Virtue number six, industry. Lose no time. Be always employed in something useful. Cut off all unnecessary actions. Now, as far back as time, hard work has been the hallmark of every single manly man, as they say in the uh, website, The Art of Manliness. However, industriousness has sort of gone out of style. And I'm not going to sit here and do a riff on millennials, but let's face it. The generational shift is obvious. Hard work isn't what it once was. There's a new expectation that has emerged now. People have this sense of entitlement. They want get-rich-quick schemes. They want a huge payout with little or no effort. But in reality, honest hard work is incredibly beneficial in a refining endeavor that should be embraced, not disdained. Now, we look at the previous virtue of frugality, and I believe hard work ties closely into that. Because if you do work hard and you're wasting, then you're going to get frustrated and you're going to scratch your head, what am I doing wrong? The two almost have to be merged together. Quite frankly, I believe that was the whole point of what Franklin did here is all 13 virtues, if acted upon properly, will make you a better person. All right, so I I, I tell you, and I've tried, believe me, I've tried so many different times and ways short of respond to an email where a Saudi prince was going to send me $100,000. I've thought about every single way that I could get rich quick, and it's just not out there. 
Hard work and smart work will make the difference. Now, Benjamin Franklin never patented an invention. He considered them as gifts to the public. His inventions were practical and designed to make everyday life easier. And as he wrote in his autobiography, as we enjoy the advantages from the inventions of others, we should be glad of an opportunity to serve others by any invention of ours. And this we should do freely and generously. Now, I certainly believe that he would probably uh, feel a little bit different about that today. Uh, and he would, uh, he's certainly not suggesting that you give away a million or billion dollar idea. But I do understand the premise of what Franklin was trying to say. Sincerity. Use no hurtful deceit. Think innocently and justly. And if you speak, speak accordingly. There is nothing, I mean nothing, that I hate worse than people who are fake. Or people who act one way around their family and their friends and act another way at work. The one thing I will say about myself, and I hope when I am uh, ready to leave this mortal coil, that people will say about Rick Sully is that he was the same guy. Maybe to his detriment in some cases, but he's the same guy personally as he was professionally. And I think at the end of the day, people need to know that what they see is what they're going to get. All right. So the risk that we have here with the Internet and, and other forms of social media is people have a tendency to create this uh, persona of something online that isn't who they are in real life. So I really challenge you to be careful about that and represent yourself the right way, represent yourself consistently in the way other people want to view you. The next virtue is justice. Wrong none by doing injuries or admitting the benefits that are your duty. You know, when you look back at people in history who were the most admired, the one thing they had in common is each of them stood up for the little guy. Now, we're in a society nowadays that is just overwrought with apathy. So we need people out there who will stand up for justice and stand up for that little guy. And I will tell you this right now, don't look to our politicians for that. Don't look to the media for that. Right, you need to look within your own circle. It could be a, a, a pastor. It could be a coach. It could be a mentor. Uh, it could be a community activist. Somebody out there who is willing to go to bat for you. But I will tell you, they are few and far between because we live in a society, it's me, 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 me. All right. So you also need to live a just life. Because I think you could be that person for other people if you want to be and stand up for that little guy. You know, me personally, you know, I went through a period in my life, those of you who've listened religiously, I went through a period in my life where I was bullied. I was the little guy. And as I went through that whole experience, I cannot recall ever having someone stand up for me. But I promise you nowadays, if I see somebody else going through that, I am the first one to stand up for them. In 1752, Franklin and the Junto Club created Philadelphia Contributionship to issue property against fire. Today is the nation's oldest 
successful property insurance company. The next virtue is moderation. Avoid extremes. Forbear resenting injuries so much as you think they deserve. Now ask yourself this question. Am I looking for more out of life? You know, society, your friends, your neighbors, the internet, the media are going to tell you that more is definitely the answer. More money, more stuff, more women, more pleasure. These are all the keys to gaining satisfaction in life. I will tell you from my personal experience, that is not the case. And now maybe that's an indictment on my personality and that I'm never content. I'm always striving for that more. So it's kind of a a, kind of chasing a tail mentality because even when I almost get it, it's not enough. And I'm starting to think that this virtue is probably one that I need to embrace fully as I enter into the autumn of my life. Because moderation is absolutely critical in survival. And I know that if I practice this act or this virtue, that I'm going to see my happiness and pleasure increase because I will have a paradigm shift. I will not be so concerned about keeping up with the Joneses or doing this, that, or the other things so I look successful or I feel successful. Because Buying things, spending money, is not going to change who you are inside. I would strongly encourage you to check out the book, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. He was a plastic surgeon, and he basically took on folks with physical issues that they felt were holding them back from being successful. And what he did is perform surgery, made them look better than they did before, and nothing changed inside which proves that it's not how you look or what you have, it's what is inside of you. If you can change that, everything else will change along with it. Franklin was the first postmaster general of the United States of America. Isn't this amazing? I mean, we're we're about two-thirds of the way through the virtues and the interesting Ben Franklin facts. And I am blown away every time I read some of them out loud what he accomplished in his 81 years on this beautiful earth. Cleanliness. Tolerate no uncleanliness in body, clothes, or habitation. Now, here's the deal. I I, I don't, again, and I'm not picking on millennials, I swear. So if any of you guys are listening out there, please. But this whole grunge, you know, this I guess grunge is more from a younger generation. But I think it's coming back, like the unshaven look. You know, you're not trimming the beard, the hair messy, shirt untucked. You know, it looks like I just got up. Guess what? I, I interview a lot of people for jobs. And that's not me, all right? If you're trying to get into the professional world and you're trying to make an impact in the world, you need to represent as such. Now, I'm not saying you don't have talent. I'm not saying you can't make a difference. But the fact is, how you appear to others is a reflection of how you are inside. So if you're disorganized and you know, kind of disheveled on the outside, when I look at you, the first thing I'm going to think about is that's how your life is. Okay? So I also think it's a, a really an indictment on your attention to detail, uh, discipline, and order. 
And the great thing about this virtue is that it's easy to fix. And you might have to do a little research online or maybe hire someone to come in and help you sort of overhaul your, uh, your, your home, your dress, your personal grooming, whatever it is. But it is easy to fix in the grand scheme of things. So fix it. Later in Franklin's life, he embraced the abolition of slavery. He became president of the first abolition organization, the Philadelphia Abolition Society, and he was the first person to petition Congress to abolish slavery in 1790, two months before his death. Tranquility. Be not disturbed at trifles or at accidents, common or unavoidable. How many times uh, do the little inconveniences of life make you angry. Uh, they send you off on a tangent. They ruin your day. Uh, you can't allow this to happen. And I've spoken at great length in other podcasts about controlling the things you can control. And that is your preparation, your effort, and your attitude. Franklin's basically saying the same thing in that we need to control our anger towards others and situations because in most cases there's nothing we can do about it. You need to represent yourself as a cool and composed individual because that is the type of person that will excel in life and in work. But just think about the social and health benefits that exist by controlling your anger and your frustration and your stress and your anxiety. So I really want you to make a conscious effort and I don't care if it's counting to 10, I don't care if it's going for a walk, I don't care if it's you know, squeezing your fists into a ball, but just allowing that frustration and anger to just leave your body before you react. And you know, something that uh, Franklin didn't have to deal with was emails and text messaging. How often do you reply to an email and text in the second it is sent to you when you're angry? And then the moment you hit send, you're frustrated. You're like, why did I do that? Don't. What I've gotten the habit of doing is I will type up the email. Then I'll save it to my drafts file. And then I'll revisit it in about 15, 20 minutes after I've had a chance to calm down and assess the situation. And if I still feel that frustration, then I'll go ahead and send it. But more often than not, I end up deleting it. Because the mere act of composing the email made me feel good enough. So start today living a more peaceful and tranquil life. Among Franklin's most important public projects are the University of Pennsylvania. Interestingly enough, the football stadium at the University of Pennsylvania is called Franklin Field. It's the oldest college football stadium in the country. The Union Fire Company, the Public Library, and the Pennsylvania Hospital. Franklin's next virtue was chastity. Rarely use venery, but for health or offspring. Never to dullness, weakness, or the injury of your own or another's peace or reputation. And I know you're saying, okay, chastity, give me a break. It's 2018. But we live in a world that glamorizes and exploits sex and sexuality. And it is very difficult to avoid. And as a man, you believe it's a badge of honor to be with a woman. And I'm going to tell you that even though it's unavoidable, that it's everywhere, internet, 
TV, magazines. Finding a woman, choosing a woman who you love, who makes you happy, and spending time with her and being intimate with her is far more of an indictment on the type of man you are than the number or the acts that you engage in. As a matter of fact, I would go as far as to say that it's almost become cheapened. And it was once a sacred act, a very virtuous act. It's just another consumer good that is to be selfishly consumed. Now I realize this is easier said than done, and it's going to take a huge effort on your part to stray from the group and do things your own way. But you're going to be thankful in the long run when you're making right decisions and you don't have any regrets. Bad decisions lead to bad consequences more often than not. In 1728, when he was 22 years old, Benjamin Franklin wrote his own epitaph. Now, I do not have a copy of that. I'm sure it would be easy to find on the internet, but it would be fascinating to see what he wrote at the age of 22 versus 60 years later with all the amazing accomplishments that he had throughout his life. And now we've reached the final virtue, humility. Imitate Jesus and Socrates. I'll tell you, I don't know uh, if you can put any more pressure on yourself than imitating those two individuals, but let's dial it down a little bit and put it into modern times here. You know, we want you to have confidence, all right? You definitely need to believe in yourself and you need to display that confidence to others. But I think it goes back to a little bit about what he said earlier, temperance, moderation. You don't need to be arrogant. You don't need to be cocky. You, know, you look at some of the greatest men throughout our history, especially the gentlemen, the founding fathers that worked alongside Benjamin Franklin. Almost all of them had the most humble beginnings. And as a result, they were humble men. Now, it doesn't mean you're weak, you're submissive, um, you're self-deprecating. It means having a quiet confidence that allow your actions to speak for themselves. When I think when it comes to humility, sometimes it's important to have someone in your life that can check you. Uh, if they see you, uh, you know, going down in, in, in this path and becoming you know, arrogant and cocky and someone that people don't want to be around or associate with or they say disparaging things about you behind your back, an accountability partner, if you will. But I think most of the time, we know when we're acting a certain way, when we can see the reactions of others to things we do and say. So I really believe that this is something we, we, we practice uh, and embrace. It's also going to be one of those virtues that will spill over into the others and make them easier to obtain. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but it's something that you absolutely can control. Here's my final interesting facts about Benjamin Franklin. He technically did not discover electricity but he discovered positive and negative charges to describe electricity by flying a kite during a storm. And among his inventions are the flexible urinary catheter, swim fins, and Franklin is actually in the U.S. Swimming Hall of Fame, a little trivia question that you'll never, ever be able to use again, the library chair, extension arm, Franklin stove, lightning rod, and bifocals. 
Now, as I mentioned, Franklin carried his little book of virtues with him every day, and he would evaluate his performance at the end of each day. In each week, he selected a different virtue to be his special point of focus, and he would concentrate on that trait for seven days. Now, imagine what you can do in this life if you embraced a similar approach to living. It worked for Ben Franklin, who many refer to as the only president of the United States who was never actually president of the United States. Hey, thanks for joining me this week. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sully Says Podcast. My goal was to inform, educate, and above all, give you some insights on living a better and more virtuous life. Thanks so much for listening to the Sully Says Podcast. If we made a connection today, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me via my website, ricksully.com, or via email at rick at ricksully.com. I'm available for sales training, personal development coaching, and motivational speaking, with a focus on how being a childhood bullying victim taught me to find my character, passion, and purpose. I hope to hear from you soon, and please make it a great day. Thank you.